Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tech Magic, the show where we journey to the heart of technology. I'm your host, Kathy Hackle. I am a tech and gaming executive and also a tech futurist. And I'm here to break down the latest innovations in tech from everything from fashion to space to AI to everything in between. We are going to be talking about what is a fad and what is the future. And we're going to be having interviews with great, great folks, really interesting people. Uh, we're going to be talking a lot of, a lot about what's happening in the tech space, which seems to be changing every single day at a really fast pace. This week, I am joined again by one of my bestest friends. <laughs> I keep using that word. Uh, Lee Keebler, who has been my co-host for the first three episodes. Episodes. This is episode four. Episode four. Lee, how you doing? I'm great. I'm, I'm back. I'm back in my studio and I'm feeling like I've been looking through the notes today of like the stories and stuff. And this is by far the most interesting show. I know. I'm super excited. But before we get into it, how was your weekend? What's up? It's beautiful in Oregon right now. Like it is storybook, like every Hallmark fall movie you've ever seen. That's what it looks like right now. Like it's just gorgeous. And people have to understand, I grew up in Florida, so we don't have seasons. So I saw all of this stuff on TV of like, oh, this is like holiday specials would come on. I'm like, my front yard just has a palm tree and an alligator. Like it just wasn't like, so for me to look outside and be like, oh my God, it's fall. It's actually happening. It's beautiful here. I love that. Yeah, well, it's it's great. Like, we had great weather this weekend in the D.C. area. And then today, it just got, started getting kind of cold. The leaves are falling. It's like, we're getting a vibe. We're getting the Halloween vibe for Halloween. Yeah, so, I, I, we're recording this on It Monday. is. It's it's Monday. So. It's it's uh, October 30th, one day before Halloween. And yeah. uh, I still have to go get some candy for the front door i haven't done that yet i'm i'm the guy they gouge like i'm totally that dude that like shows up at the walgreens on halloween and it's like yeah we have one bag of candy left it's 55 dollars. like that's gonna the ferrero rocher there you go (laughs) (laughs) the lint chocolates now you gotta pay for that right no sneakers um so here you go i I had an amazing halloween pre-weekend very focused on gaming. Um, I'll give you kind of a the rundown of what happened. So Thursday, we did Trunk or Treat at our school, which Trunk or Treat for folks outside the U.S. that are listening to this is pretty much trick-or-treating, but you line up, you park cars in a school parking lot, for example, and you decorate the trunk of the car, and then the kids go from each car to each car, uh, you know, trick-or-treating from trunk to trunk. All of our European so, listeners are like, wow, the car culture in America is deep. <laughs> 
They're really obsessive. <laughs> Those Ford people. <laughs> um, so we did trunk or treat. We had a blast. But get this. So I I have two two kids that are in middle school, right? So they're, you know, they're they're tweens. One is a teen, one's a tween. And then I have a younger one. Um, and I wanted to kind of be a cool parent. So of course, like I go buy, you know, buy, I'm buying candy for this. And I come across the Mr. Beast chocolate bars, the feasible bars. And okay, I want to buy a whole bunch of these. So turns out we were the hottest, most popular car in all trunk or treat. Um, and I sent you a video. Of I what know that I like. saw it in my, my, so my, okay, here, I want to back all of this up. For those, who, up, for those who up. don't know, because I was not in the know, because I'm not of this generation of kids who are watching YouTube more <laughs> than anything. I didn't know who Mr. Beast was like two years ago. Now I realize like how far and how old I evidently am and didn't know it. All of that aside, was it, was the chocolate good? Yeah. I mean, it's good. It, I, you know, I had one of the ones that looks like a crunch bar and it tastes the same as a crunch bar. So like, I don't think it's the chocolate that is making the kids go crazy. It was Mr. Beast. Because these are like expensive chocolate bars. So wild to me that a YouTube. When I showed you the video, no, I know, I know. Like the kids are literally like, I'm literally telling the kids like, back up, back up. And we were down to two bars, to chocolate bars, and I had to like just throw them out because these kids were like, it was crazy how much they love Mr. Beast. It's wild that the YouTube, TikTok, social media culture has been able to cultivate personality types that are arguably as big if not bigger than what used to be controlled by major Rand studios and yeah. like you can take a moment and take a step back and look at okay that's a hilarious story and that's like really kind of silly in its own right but the impact that that has is wild Really, like that's just shocking that that that's where we are today. I actually think it's a positive. I think that that mm-hmm. I think it's a great as long as it's like being you. Like obviously, we can go down a couple yeah. rabbit holes where there are alternate personalities on YouTube that are damaging, and this mm-hmm. gets to a question of parenting, really, and 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 content monitoring, uh, which is a whole other topic that I'm not personally able to talk to. Um, but it's just crazy that, that, that there's influencers that have that much personality out there and they're oh I mean he's independent he's a multimillionaire. <laughs> yeah. And I had like moms coming up to me and like, what are you giving these kids? Like they're rushing. They're all like talking about going to your car for trunk or treat. It was crazy. Crazy, crazy. Even my parents, my dad was like, I don't even know who this Mr. Beast is, but I want one of those chocolate bars. Uh, <laughs> so he's 80, almost 80 and he's like, I need to try this chocolate bar. What's up? Um so it was really fun. Then I took my son to see the Five Nights at Freddy's. Uh, we survived five nights. Um, the movie was fantastic. Um, Wild, the jump scares were fine. Wild like, thing about this great. movie, Metacritic hated it. Like the Metacritic, the Metacritic score for this film was like basically <laughs> Super Mario Bros. The 1993 movie bad, right? Like it, it, they didn't like it. But then like everyone who went and saw it, the actual like viewer score was like through the roof. Mm-hmm. All the kids, I mean, all the young people that were there, all the kids that we went with, they were like, um, like super happy, and then they had Matt Pat and like a whole bunch of YouTubers. They did cameos, and like they were just like, I don't know, like it was a great experience. All the kids, I mean, because we took a bunch of kids, 
they had a blast. They loved it. They were like, when does number two come out? So, so what do you think the appropriate age group is for, cause I mean, it's hard to find an age group for like horror films. Like last time when I, when I was a kid, I think the scary movie that kids went to go see was like Ernest scared, stupid. That's really dating me. <laughs> but like, there wasn't just like a ton, oh, cool, <laughs> there, there wasn't a ton of like age appropriate horror films right we had this is pg-13 okay this is pg-13 by bloomhouse which i was like okay what's up um they did have some kill scenes but the kill scenes that the way they got around it not to make it so graphic Mm -hmm. or anything is um they would do like shadow work Mm -hmm. uh, so things like that or they would imply right something um yeah so so it's interesting i mean I think my son was fine. Like I, yeah. I was more concerned, like there's ghost children in the movie and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I hate ghosts. Like that's just scary to me. <laughs> so that part was more concerning to me than, you know, the animatronic stuff, but, uh, but it was great. And, uh, then I chaperoned a uh, middle school dance. Oh, this is where uh, you were a zombie this- cheerleader, yeah, right? That was a zombie cheerleader. Cause it was for the <laughs> cheer team. It was a fundraiser for the cheer squad. So all the moms dressed up as, uh, you know, all the chaperone moms were zombie cheerleaders and the dads were, uh, like zombie referees. It was great. These kids danced the night away. Like they, like I, I don't, I was. They, they actually I, okay, danced so together. I, did they do like the middle school dances we had where it's like guys on one side, girls on the other. And they didn't ever. It was groups. It was all groups of kids. Cool. Like the boys were dancing like a group and the girls and the boys and the girls. Like It wasn't like a, like couples dance or anything. There was no slow dancing. It was more like all the groups were dancing, going crazy. So once again, I was like, okay, this Mr. Beast thing really worked at Trunk or Treat. I'm going to get a whole bag, a whole bag of Mr. Uh, Mr. Beast bars. And bring them to the dance in case the kids decide not to dance. No problem there. Literally, they were dancing their like their heads off. Um, they were hopped I up on like sugar. Them. Of course they were. <laughs> That's your fault. <laughs> they were, it was crazy. They like all the songs, of course, all the Taylor Swift songs. They had tons of songs they were making requests. They started to dance to like some old school stuff, like Soldier Boy Superman. I, I hate like, that you just called that old school. Like, no, I'm done. <laughs> I'm done with this podcast. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? You know, because Doja Cat, like, yeah, of course, I'm not going to know Doja Cat, right? But like Soldier Boy, I'm like, wait, what? And yeah, but they knew all these songs. It was amazing. They did Cotton Eye Joe, the Macarena. Oh, that like, is old school. If they're yeah. dancing to Cotton Eye Joe, <laughs> the Macarena. Did you they know, know the crazy. Macarena? How did they? <laughs> what? They they knew the Macarena. They knew Cotton Eye Joe, like uh, Gangnam Style. Like I was just like, oh my gosh, these kids are they're learning to dance on TikTok. That's like is my Macarena on TikTok? That just seems like a dance that wouldn't I have be. No on TikTok. idea, That's... but they were all doing the Macarena, and I was just like, I mean, I'm having a blast, right? I'm on the sideline because <laughs> I'm chaperoning, so I'm not supposed to be like in their dance, but I'm like, you know, grooving on the corner and chaperoning. Um, I also uh, hired this like group to bring two virtual reality uh, stations. So the kids were doing uh, Beat Saver and Fruit Ninja. Oh, that'd and, be blessed. Yeah. Uh, it was so good. It was, it was so good. But it was, it was getting down into the trenches with Generation Alpha. Like the, they was just like some were Gen Z because they were 13, but most of them were Gen Alpha. And just looking at them in the wild was really interesting <laughs> to me. Jane Good all over <laughs> Observing here. Observing them in the wild. Um, so yeah, my hal I would say my Halloween weekend, pre-weekend was very full of gaming lore from Mr. Beast to like my son's costume, which was Bendy and the Ink Machine, which is another indie game, um, to you know, uh, FNAF movie and like just experiencing being with the kids in this in the, the, the dance. Like, I don't know. 
it was it was really interesting to kind of experience this in the wild. So yeah, I I uh, sat at a bonfire and sipped cider and watched the leaves fall. That was my entire weekend, um, and I wouldn't trade it. I- <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Come on, the Macarena. Come on, Lee. Soldier boy, you could have done Superman. It was great. Um, All right. So now that we talked about our weekends, our fun, fun weekends, um, before we get into the show, I do want to tell folks a a little bit about something that's going on with Adweek. Uh, Adweek is hosting Adweek's Next Tech event in November in New York. I will be speaking on spatial computing, AI, gaming, who knows, I'm going to bring it. Um, But they do have a discount for folks that might want to attend. It is, if you use the code TECHMAGIC30, you will get 30% off. Adweek Next Text event, and there will be a link in the show notes. So I hope to meet some of y'all in person there. I will be there and I'll bring it. Um, so I'm very excited to talk about the future of tech while I'm there. So anyway, let's get into it. Um, so much happening. I feel like we need to, we're recording this on Monday. I feel like we need to start, I want to start with um, President Biden, President Biden's executive order. This could take the entire podcast. I know, right? The, I read through <laughs> it and it's just, it just keeps going. It's, it's huge. It's more than a hundred pages, I think. Um, but anyway, it, President Biden, the Biden administration, Biden Harris administration signed into executive order today, um, an executive order for AI, um, that is, very, very interesting. There's some really interesting points in there. Uh, it's been many, many months in the making. I live in DC. This has been something that has been worked on from, uh, you know, back a couple months ago when they released the AI uh, blueprint, um, blueprint, blueprint rights, uh, bill of rights. Sorry, the AI blueprint, blueprint bill of rights. Um, but they've been working on this for a long time. They called a whole bunch of people into DC to be present for this executive order signing. It was a very exciting day here in DC. And um, here's my first impression on some of the things that I'm uh, that I saw the index in the executive order. Uh, it is about in several things. It is about keeping the United States as one of the top leaders in AI, keeping the country very competitive when it comes to that. It is about creating standards in some way and adding some guardrails. It is about hopefully protecting consumers' privacy. That's that's a hope. Uh, it is also about creating, uh, and this is where the Department of Commerce is going to come in, uh, creating watermarks and creating protections um, for content so that people know when they're looking at something that might have been altered. That, I think, is incredibly important. Uh, there's also a whole component of the executive order that deals with remaining competitive and uh, hiring people for the AI advancements and innovations that the country wants to pursue. So for example, they have a, there's a website called ai.gov, G-O-V, that's already up and running where people can apply to jobs in the administration related to AI. Um, so very, very broad. I haven't finished reading and I just read like the, you know, the cliff notes <laughs> that I shared. And what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing from folks is I'm personally happy that something like this has been brought forth because, you know, if we wait for Congress to act, it's going to take a while. So I'm glad that the administration, yeah, just a little while. I think they've got other stuff right now um, to deal with. So I feel like this is a good, good way to start. Good way to start. Um, I am hearing pushback from certain people in the industry saying that it might be too far reaching, uh, that, you know, it might be actually constraining innovation. I don't see it that way, but I feel like because it's it's so early on, like I want to sit with the whole thing, uh, read it and digest it. But yeah, thoughts, Lee? I read through it and 
I don't think it's overreaching because it doesn't really establish anything, right? Like it, it, it doesn't establish a protocol or anything like that. So I would immediately have the question of like, if you think this is too far overreaching, what are you doing and why do you need to be stopped? Because there was nothing in it. Well, th there's the part where it says that, you know, before you release these products, you have to, uh, you have to like, like share certain things with the federal government which makes as sense. it pertains to like third party third party certifications more information on if this can be used for example to build nuclear weapons or biological weapons um it, it, there's also some information there potentially on like having to release how, what are you trained it on i'm not too clear on that part yet but i, I feel like there I think is the training some pushback is, from industry the, the training part's a requirement because that's really where mm -hmm. the crux of a lot of these arguments are happening um as we're looking at how these ais are coming about like they are being trained off of other people's real intellectual property um and what and what does that actually mean as a right to do so and, and it's an open debate i don't i'm not claiming yeah. to have an answer there um you know uh there's some really interesting points in all of this i do think that one of the things that i liked when i read through it was it took a strong uh, it took a strong stance of making sure that it stayed a competitive landscape. Um, there was even mm -hmm. a statement of there's too much growing concern that it's going to basically leave Google, Amazon, Microsoft as being the only ones able to compete. And I fully think on, on the face of it, that's false because none of those companies are currently competing with even the smaller startups that have learned how to harness this. And a lot of it is kind of a Pandora's box situation, similar to the internet in general, of where it's already out there, it's already in the open. There's already a lot of these things set up on on open source tools where it's kind of fair game. If you look at the individual areas that are really pioneering AI, if it's voice, you're looking at Eleven Labs. Mm -hmm. If it's uh, text um, or text or voice, now you're looking at yeah. ChatGPT. If it's images, mm -hmm. you're looking at Midjourney or Dolly. Google, Amazon, and Microsoft never popped up in that conversation, right? Like, I like, there's not a recognizable major. Well, but they name. are investing billions. They, of they are starting right? to, like, yeah, of course, and that's where it happens. I mean, there's all the partnerships, so right, and that's they, that's the opportunity, right? Like, that's that's yeah. the opportunity, but their their growth set is going to be based on the continual process of like acquisition. You know, mm -hmm. we, you know, if it, back if you go back to like 2016 2017 everyone was talking about oculus the startup that happened with this kid who was living in an rv in his parents like driveway and yes now it's meta now it's owned by facebook and blah 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 blah, blah. <laughs> but arguably it wouldn't have been as big or as powerful as or as popular if it hadn't been right so there's still a lot of room for that growth and at once upon a time facebook was a startup right um yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. you just kind of have to take it I mean, as amazon it comes. they were all they were all a startup apple <laughs> right and this right? is this is yeah i mean it's a bigger question of like making sure that whatever happens here i think this is a good opportunity for to start them to start slipping in some like net neutrality conversations and mm -hmm. explaining why this approach to the internet is necessary to make sure all of these things are good what i would like to see is a stronger approach, and I think we could see it through this, a stronger approach to what we've seen in the EU where it comes to like COPA compliance. Yeah. That we have to get under control, and we seem to be like the last horse to cross that finish line. Um, yeah. We just well, got to get closer He did to mention, that. you know, advertising to kids or certain things. I took some notes. Um, one part of where President Biden said, tech with global impact requires global action and cooperation. He talked about more tech change in the next five years than we've seen in 50 years. Uh, AI being the most consequential tech of our age. Um, it said, you know, something like this must be governed, um, you know, 
if, he, he talked about a lot of different things. If you believe that, um, though, this is where I got a little hung up. If you yeah. really, And I believe he's right in all of that. I think this is one of the more important pieces of technology. I think we've kind of overblown where it currently is today, but yeah. I can see where it's going. And if you truly believe that, then – so this order, as I read in the articles, were it, it, it called for the Department of Health and Human Services to create a task mm-hmm. force for it and create a strategic plan and all of that stuff. I'm looking at it going, if you really believe that, shouldn't this call for a new department? There needs to be a department of artificial intelligence. Like there needs to be something because can the department of health and human services really fully grasp what we're talking about here? No, (laughs) no. And there's been a lot of discussion here in DC circles about creating a new department. Like a new office to regulate that. I mean, Donald right? Trump created whatever, so. created Space Force like out of thin air. And that's a thing now. Like, can we not get something useful out of this? I feel like this is right where it should happen. Well, maybe not out of thin air. But, um, yeah, he definitely talked about the Department of Commerce and working on, you know, watermarks. Um, and he definitely made a point. Congress needs to act. Yeah. When they do that, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it was definitely big day in DC, big day in DC, but I am, I am of, I am of your, your school of thought too, that there should be an organization, right. That oversees this. That is kind of the one that people know they need to go to instead of like, now I need to go to the department of commerce. Now I need to go to the department of this. Not like, no, there should be a central organization. Right. Um, and you know, there's the office of science and technology, but that's a really broad set of terms. So anyway, exciting day in D.C. Um, that definitely leads us into more conversations around AI. Um, let's talk about hardware first, right? So as, as, as this you know, executive order is signed, um, there's lots of news uh, about several companies, right? Um, there was the noise about OpenAI, Sam Altman's OpenAI, talking to Johnny Ive about creating some type of hardware, uh, for ChatGPT, and when I was at WSJ Tech Live, he talked about it briefly. But um, Altman's also one of the main investors in Humane. Humane is a startup um, out of Silicon Valley, founded by two Apple former Apple um, professionals, that is focused on creating something other than the mobile phone. And they actually say the future is not in our in our faces; it's somewhere else. And they're they're releasing something that called the Humane AI Pin on November 9th. Um, I believe the cost is going to be around thousand dollars. It's um, a pin that you put on your lapel or wherever. There's an asterisk and it has... on that thousand dollars, though, because I also read. Oh yeah, with a subscription. With so a subscription, so you buy it and you aren't even done. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a subscription. You got to keep paying. Well, that makes sense. You know, they got to make some money beyond just the hardware. Um, but yeah, it's it'll be interesting. That's November 9th. Um, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Are you are you like? I'm signed up to get the email. Like, I will buy this thing when it when it drops. Are you into it? I'm, like- I'm hesitant. I I'm getting real like uh, I'm getting real vaporware vibes off of this one. I'm I'm being honest. <laughs> really? Yeah, because there's <laughs> things about it that like, okay, is it a real thing? Yes. But I, you and I had the exact same conversation when it came to Magic Leap a couple of years ago. They they raised. <laughs> 
crap ton of money. And, and I was we're like, not to work for them, but yeah. And, and they have a good product now, but really there was a period of time where I'm like, I'm not sure that whale's going to fly. Like that, that's just where I was, um, you know, and, and, and thankfully proven wrong. And now they've got a location. They're doing a lot in like architectural and BIM. I just saw them at AES, mm-hmm. AWE. They've, they're on their second headset. They just have a new CEO. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like all of yeah. this stuff happening. So like, don't take it for just like speculative me being kind of pessimistic, which is where I live. I look at it and I'm like, okay, this will be a real thing. It's going to come out, but there are real questions about this hardware that I don't get. And I know enough about the technology to go, uh, this it's a pen. It mm-hmm. connects and does all of these things. You can talk to it, which means it has a built-in microphone. It can like relay at some point. I'm guessing it's going to have to leverage the phone to like get to chat GPT, but there also, there were some whispers about like an app store or something. I don't know. All of this stuff is all speculative. It does projection as it well. It does projection. Right? Okay. Hand, I think. What powers it? Because if you're doing that much stuff, it's going to have like a two hour battery life. Like that, that's where I start getting, I start really like reading between the lines and I'm just like, uh, a rechargeable battery is going to have to be in this thing. And if it's as small as they say it is, it's not going to be that big of a battery. How like is it running on quantum physics? I, the, the fairy dust. It, it, that doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Um, and then the projection, I don't get that as a product. I don't get it because that means it's useless. Yeah when you can see <laughs> like if there's a light you can't use it there's light. <laughs> so i guess we'll have to i mean i haven't demoed it like those that's one piece of technology i've never been invited to demo and like humane is one of those companies that at one point in my life i was dying to work for um you know never never did um but i'm curious i'm curious i want to see it out in the wild i want to see i want to see how it works i want to see it in daytime. i'm gonna buy it <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah, I want to see, you know. Can you imagine really, a movie you know, theater full of people with this stupid thing on? It's the only time they can gosh. use the projector. It's a good point. Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, it made it made its debut during Paris Fashion Week on Caperni's runway. And, like, Naomi Campbell wore it, like I've mentioned it. Um, so they've been kind of working in the fashion space, which I find that pretty interesting. And, like, one of his one of the CEO's first talks was it the business of fashion? So they've always, there's a fashion element here. And I think that's a I'm, good spot for it. Like that, in, it does make sense. I, I want to see what it is. Yeah. I'm just yeah, yeah. pessimistic. <laughs> Maybe we'll do an unboxing on the podcast <laughs> when I get mine. So there seems to be this moment of, is this the next phone? Is this the next Google Glass? Like, is this a real thing? So, like, for you, I guess, fad or future? Um, I mean, we'll have to see when it comes out, but mm-hmm. I, it just feels very fatty. Um, like, just saturated fad. Uh, <laughs> 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 yeah, well, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I really think the founders of Humane, like, they're onto something. Like, they've developed, like, they've designed great stuff. I want to kind of get my hands on it. I, I feel like I can't tell you a fat or future yet. I do know there's a future post smartphone. Is it this device that I don't know? Yeah. Right. That I have no yeah, idea. Oh, totally. I'm with you um, on that. Um, yeah. it, mm-hmm. And again, if they've got a way that it does all of these things that's on the spec list and they can power it and it lasts more than five hours, that in and of itself is a technological revolution. Someone's figured something out that I'm unaware of. Yeah. So we'll have to see. We'll, we'll have to see what other, what other hardware comes, comes out. Like to me, the and I always go back to this Apple Vision Pro spatial computing. Yeah. That's where you actually change human to human interaction and human computer interaction. I've worked like I said, I've been working on something really interesting that's going to be 
uh, going live in a couple weeks. Um, I'll share it here. I can't share much right now, but I think something that the business world needs uh, to better understand what's going to happen because it really is being able to use AI in that way, you know, that next step where people are talking about mm -hmm. AR hardware, this is, yeah, there's this other step that they're, they're not connecting. It's the AI plus the compute um, that I think people mm -hmm. are missing. So anyway, that leads is. us. So I'm yeah, just in dark. I'm as in the dark as the listeners. So you've peaked. Yeah, well, our producer knows, but she can't say. <laughs> <laughs> wink, wink. Um, so that leads us into our next story, which is that people are spending now that you can talk to ChatGPT. <laughs> people seem to be spending a lot of time talking to ChatGPT. A la, you know, the movie Her. <laughs> yeah. They're talking to it through their earbuds and kind of like having long conversations, long hours chatting with it. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I haven't really been talking to ChatGPT that much. I, I, yeah, I don't know why. I just have been like more using it for, you know, other stuff. Like, you know, I've got a brief. Help me here. Um, but but yeah, I feel like a lot of people are starting to talk to it a lot more. I'm more interested in seeing going to fully multimodal and being able to see and be like, Hey, what is this? Or should I buy this? Or mm -hmm. I'm more interested in that, the vision part of it, um, than the vocal, like the voice part, even though voice is incredibly important. How do you feel about that? Are you chatting? Like, are you chatting? I am. <laughs> yeah, I actually, uh, yeah, I, I read that article and I was like, instead of being creeped, I thought I, I expected to be creeped out by it. Um, maybe this is just the Halloween season on me. I was, I was reading this and I'm like, Oh, this is going to be creepy. But as I read through it, I was like, you know what? I kind of want to try that. Um, so I did, and I played with it for a little while. I actually wired it up to the system here in the studio. Um, Let's try and, it. You want to try uh, it? I will. I will. But I want to tell you the story first because I hadn't told you this yet. This is funny. Uh -oh. Before okay. before this episode started, I signed on and I looked at my clock and I had three minutes before <laughs> we went to record. And yeah. so, and since I had it hooked up to the studio, I asked ChatGPT. I said. What is something that I can do in the next three minutes to get myself into a positive headspace? Not that I was having a bad day or anything. I just was like trying to think of something to ask it. And then it just naturally walked me through a, a three-minute mental preparation exercise, reflection, meditation moment. I was just like, oh, wow. that's... Did you feel better? I didn't feel bad when I started it. So I, I, can't, I can't really like necessarily say, but the fact that it had a very real answer of something that was like, yeah, close your eyes, take a deep breath, picture this, da 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 da, da. Like you just went through the process and I was just kind of shocked. And then, then it asked, it's like, and it actually, and I didn't, because it was the three minutes were up, it, but it did ask, it said, uh, did that help? Is there something like, did that help? Or can, is, was that good advice or something? Like it asked for positive affirmation mm -hmm. feedback on it of like, hey, did this get you in the right direction? So I was surprised by by that uh, that interaction in such a short period of time. I might, I might do that. I, I love that use for it. I'm more used to like just asking it to do work for me or like, you know, I've got a brief or I'm writing something or yeah, it's like a workhorse for me. So, um, so the basic premise yeah. of that article was a question mm -hmm. of like what – what would be the negative impacts on on a person's mm -hmm. ability to communicate with real people um, if they were spending too much time talking to basically a robot, right? Like an artificial intelligence. So experiment. Let's ask that question to ChatGPT. Drum roll. What are the negative impacts that can occur to a person talking to ChatGPT that may restrict them from talking to people in their real lives? 
Engaging with ChatGPT extensively can potentially lead to some negative impacts on a person's real-life social interactions. One, reduced social interactions. Spending too much time chatting with AI can lead to a decrease in face-to-face or meaningful conversations with real people. Two, impersonal communication. Conversations with AI lack emotional depth and empathy, which can lead to emotionally distant interactions with others. Three, erosion of social skills. Relying heavily on AI may erode important social skills, such as active listening, empathy, and understanding nonverbal cues. Four, limited emotional expression. AI struggles to understand and respond to complex emotions, potentially affecting one's ability to express feelings effectively in real-life interactions. Five, miscommunication. Exclusively relying on AI may lead to misunderstandings when communicating with people who have different communication styles or expectations. Six, reduced confidence. Constantly seeking answers or social interaction from AI might reduce a person's confidence in their real-life communication skills. It's essential to use ChatGPT as a helpful tool, but not as a substitute for genuine human interaction. Balancing your interactions with AI and engaging with real people is crucial for maintaining strong social skills and meaningful relationships. I mean, that's pretty in-depth and I think legit, right? <laughs> yeah. I was like, how many more? She kept going. Seven. I was like, okay, how many more are we going? I hope she doesn't have 13. Uh, but but you know what? I like, yeah. Like, I, I think most of those are, are right. But one of the right? things, so, so as I was playing with this and I was, I asked that question, I was like, wow, these are really in-depth and thoughtful answers. And then it kind mm-hmm. of correlated it into a list. And so now it's going to stay in my context. I can always mm-hmm. go back. And I started thinking about how often I go on like walks and mm-hmm. am trying to work through things in my head for work and stuff. And I can easily see myself utilizing this with a pair of headphones, just talking through ideas, um, whether it's for this podcast or for my own work or for a client. Um, I, I get where people are coming from as I was reading through it. Cause it was like, people are going to talk to this thing for hours. Yeah, actually, I think they will. If this is a future or fad, I think this is future. This is future in some way. I'm with you. I just think we have to limit it in some ways. Like I don't want my kids talking to, you know, NPCs all day. Um, and you know, if they're in, in the game, I don't know. It's interesting. I, yeah, I feel like I'm going to start using it more. Oh, to- right? totally. Because I haven't really used it. I've been typing. I guess I, I'm used to typing when I'm communicating with a computer more so than talking. Yeah. So I feel like that's going to change a, a paradigm for me personally on how I use technology. And I'm going to be talking to it a lot more. I'm used to talking to my head, like, you know, to my VR headset or whatever. But um, but yeah, that's that's going to be interesting. I mean, good answers. Good good answers, ChatGPT. Yeah, at least it doesn't um, say, hey, everything's perfect. Just talk to me. Tell me all of your problems. And what's your passcode for your bank account? Like, it's... it's. <laughs> and I'm the CEO of your bank. And don't regulate me with executive orders. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, I'm with you. I think this is definitely part of the future. You know, I think they'll probably sound better as we move forward. Well, and that's one, um, that, that's one of the things that yeah. actually impre- impressed me is it... It does sound really good, 
Bluetooth sounds awful and it's connected via Bluetooth. So that, that phony sound, I realized yeah. like as I went and connected it to the board via Bluetooth, I was like, Oh, like the quality went way down. Mm-hmm. But prior to it, the conversational side of it actually felt pretty good. Um, so like that. yeah, we'll, we'll see. There's, they've got like five voices you can choose from and I'm sure more are coming and eventually it'll, well, maybe we should have a segment ask chat GPT yeah, yeah, and yeah. have like our, our listeners ask us, you know, ask chat GPT stuff on the, on the air. I was talking we'll to see. a friend of mine. <laughs> I was going through some of these voices with a friend of mine and their their question was, well, how long until it's Snoop Dogg? Because like evidently Snoop Dogg is the go-to <laughs> for everything AI. If there's a voice to be used. It used to be like what James Earl Jones. Now it's like, no, it's gotta be no, Snoop Dogg. Yeah, go get, go get Snoop Dogg. <laughs> like, yeah, he'll do it. Well, all the kids, all the kids at the dance would know who Snoop Dogg is. Whereas, but yeah, could they so, say, I'll could they that. name a single Snoop Dogg song? I don't know. Think that's a good think question. About it. Some of them are not very like PG, so I don't know. I mean, he has. I don't know if he's had a song in the last fifteen years. He's done a lot of collaborations. A lot of collaborations. Anyway, we're gonna have to dig yeah, into yeah, the yeah. Snoop. Sorry, I'm going on. I'm going on a tangent. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but anyway, so let's go to our next story to talk about Fatter Future. So now we're gonna go into gaming, which we love. We love, 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 love. And our producer was. Our producer actually wrote the cutest little, the cutest post on LinkedIn, not little, but the cutest post on LinkedIn saying that she could listen to you speak about gaming all day, Lee. So there you go. <laughs> what did I say? I'll say it again. I don't, I don't know what you were talking about, but she loved it. She'll join us for a dispatch from the future. She, she, can, she can weigh in. Um, but a few things on the gaming front. Uh, Call of Duty just turned 20. Nope. No, it didn't. I refuse to no, accept that. No, we mean no. Yeah. I refuse to accept that. I am not that old. Nope. Call of Duty came out mm, three years yeah. ago. Nope. Yeah. Uh-uh. Yeah, you refuse to accept that, but it's the truth. That's crazy. <laughs> it's the truth. 20 years ago, um, huge franchise, of course. Uh, our producer and myself actually know Chance Glasgow, who's one of the founding members of the franchise. He's gone on to do some great VR stuff. Uh, he's doing, you know, game more gaming stuff still. Fantastic. Uh, fantastic guy in the in the gaming space but yeah call of duty happy birthday um, i mean happy crazy. birthday i can't believe i was 10 when that game came out right <laughs> yeah i was 10 right yeah yeah that sounds right there you go there you go i was three so yeah there you go <laughs> so i didn't play that much call of duty that was more like my brother's kind of game to be honest like i'm not a big first person shooter kind of kind of gal um but yeah i was a halo guy i played a lot of halo yeah there, there you there. go yeah there you go. But um, but yeah, I mean, congratulations. Happy birthday, Call of Duty. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this have played it or or still play it. Um, so it's been a, a it's, very it's successful franchise. It's one of franchise. the wildest yeah. long running franchises. It's it's yeah. it's not it'll it'll never catch up to Mario, but it's it's pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> but maybe we should have chance come because I yeah. wonder if when he when he was working on it, did they really think it was gonna be like what it's become? Like this amazing huge franchise that's been around for 20 years. Yeah. I wonder if like they ever crossed their mind that they would be like that. Um, so yeah, happy birthday, Call of Duty. And let's talk a little bit about brands are still entering the gaming space. And they they're will never stop. Them. They'll never stop. I'm with you. I feel like they're, it's going to keep going. But the latest news that we shared and we were talking about is Marriott Bonvoy, which is the Mar- Marriott brand owns a whole bunch of different brands, has launched a virtual city, really a virtual map inside Fortnite Creative. 
and they launched it last week. Um, each a lot of their brands have different experiences, different games. So Moxie has one, the Westin, the W Hotels, the Autograph Collection. So there's different games that you can play within the map. Um, I believe on November second, so sometime right after this podcast drops, uh, there is they're gonna have some like celebrity secret guests show up on the map. And yeah, I mean, I haven't played it. I'm going to be honest. I haven't had a chance to go to the map and play it. I've seen some videos of folks posting on LinkedIn. What do you think? I mean, there seemed to be the first large hospitality brand to enter Fortnite creative with, with this kind of large scale, larger scale type of map. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where it's going to come down to content and really what it'll come down to is longevity and updated content. Right. And that's where all of this comes to head is like, as soon as a, a brand breaks into whether it's a Fortnite or it's a Roblox or anything in between, um, okay, cool. You do your launch and you might have some like entertaining things to do in it, but is there, is there a campaign behind the campaign, right? Is there a continuance to whatever you're building? And we'll see. Um, a lot of brands get in, they get their press release and they get out. Uh, very rarely, but when they do stick around, like what we saw with Vans and Roblox, like they've got one of the best games in Roblox and they continue to update it. That's become a thing for them. It's a, definitely a, a uh, resource on their behalf. So that's the part that... It's it's a it's not a fad that brands are going to keep doing this, but if the brand's world is a fad or the future is dependent on whatever they decide to do with it afterwards. So I looked into it. Cool world. We'll see how far they can push it. Um, it seems to make sense. Uh, I found it. I like Marriott as a, as a company. Like they're mm -hmm. one of my preferred. That I don't get paid to say that or anything. They're just one of my preferred hotels. Like the. I kind of default to them quite often. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see. Like, I wish that they had a way to, like, if you play a certain amount of hours, they recognize and give you points. Your I think points. everyone wants that. And I, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure they even asked Epic, hey, can we do this? And Epic probably just was like, no, we don't want to nah. deal, deal all with that. There, there are those things that I would like to see these type of experiences be able to harness the popularity mm -hmm. of the brand that's in there as well i think that that's a missing gap on all the platforms this is a problem with roblox this is a problem with fortnite it's a problem with all of them um so the first ones that actually start allowing for some of that interaction i think are going to be the ones that win big time yeah and i wonder i want to know like i don't think it said in the in the press release or the information that we got i don't i don't know if it's a permanent build or if it's just the pop-up temporary yeah um, i'm curious to see who these surprise celebrity stars are going to be on november you know later in november and that's always the big tell is well if if i'm them and i am not mm -hmm. they were not my client i had nothing to do with this build <laughs> but this would be the advice that i would give um you want to schedule these type of things to at least have the longevity to the nearest time mm -hmm. off for school right so i'm thinking in at least in the u.s well, you've got Thanksgiving break, you, Thanksgiving you know, you have your Thanksgiving break yeah. and you can go and you can run it through Christmas and you've got all of these like little holidays through the winter. So I would at least push it to like January 5th, right? Um, if it were a pop-up style, because that does give your core gaming playing demographic plenty of time and a lot of downtime to explore whatever it is that you've built. And that is your free tip of the day. Uh, <laughs> if you want more information, I charge you. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so I, I definitely think future, I think we're going to continue to see activations from brands going into these spaces, whether it's, you know, Fortnite creative, whether it's Roblox, whether it's rec room or whatever, 
Horizon. I mean, we'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're going to continue seeing this. It's it's just part of the future, part of where engagement's going and where people are spending their time. Yeah. So fatter future. Oh, it's it's the future. It's the future. It's the yeah. now. It's 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 the it's now. The yesterday. I'm with you. It's the now. Um, you know, this is this is the the next medium of advertisement. But I hope that it's more product placement than advertisement. Um, yeah. That that is the part that needs to be honed in, I think, quite a bit. And this goes back to earlier in our conversation. This is why at least the U.S. government needs mm-hmm. to get in front of things like COPA, COPA compliance and like start mm-hmm. instituting our own, you know, systems and and checks for these type of things because it can go wildly out of control and we need mm-hmm. to be ready for it because we weren't ready for it when it came to social media and that didn't pan out well. So that was our warning shot. Let's not screw this up a millionth time um, and get it right (laughs) for once. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm I'm with you on that. So um, we are going to go on break pretty soon. um, And I kind of want to lead to the interview that that I'm going to be kind of doing after the break. But uh, I want to talk a little bit about MasterCard um, at at, uh, Money 2020. uh, The CMO MasterCard announced that they are going to be elevating uh, the priceless experiences at what's called the MasterCard Midnight Theater, which is a multi-sensory performance venue in New York City. They had a soft lunch. Now they're ready to go full in. Um, As many people might might know, some people might not know, um, through MasterCard, MasterCard through Priceless.com has been doing a lot of things beyond what people would expect. So like restaurants, they've got restaurants in uh, in Estoril. They have one in, I think, somewhere in Asia. They have one in Brazil. Uh, they did a fragrance last year. They're doing a lot of different things, expanding beyond what people would imagine. And there's a multi-sensory performance venue in New York City that is going to have amazing, really interesting performances and artists and acts um, scheduled there. And I love the term multi-sensory mm-hmm. because it is going to be expanding beyond just, you know, traditional types of activations. And that's going to lead really, that leads us really well into the interview. So for the interview that we're having after the break, it's going to be my dear, dear friend, Ari Peralta from Arigami. He is a sensory designer, one of the world's leading sensory designers. He works with all the top brands, all the top cities. I mean, he even right now has a, he's working on uh, unveiling a course that he, he just announced it on sensory design for space. Uh, yeah, I mean, he is the master. He He's just a, an amazing person that I feel very connected to. I love his vision for sensory design. So that will be um, after the break. So we're going to go on break, and then we'll have the interview with Ari Peralta. And then we'll come back for Dispatch from the Fringe with our producer, and we'll wrap it up. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com acast. 
and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. So Ari Peralta, welcome to Tech Magic. Hi, Kathy. Thank you for having me. <laughs> well, I am thrilled to have you here. You're one of my favorite people in the universe. Um, we, you know, just for background for people to kind of know, like Ari and I keep missing each other. Like we're always like he, you know, I'm heading to California and he, you know, and uh, I'm leaving and he's subtly coming in. So it's, it's really interesting because we've kind of built up this really like this friendship through, through distance, right. And through shared interest. And, um, we even got to be uh, the co-chairs at this year's retail innovation conference. So that was really exciting that we got to share that. I think we can call ourselves pen pals, for lack of a better term, uh, maybe on the international <laughs> level. But it was such a great honor to co-host. Mm -hmm. um, we were the first co-hosts, mm -hmm. uh, right, of the uh, Retail Innovation uh, Expo, first non-executives uh, within their organization to be invited. And I think our synergy and love passion for empowering human beings mm -hmm. um, and doing it from each one of our angles is just... Uh, quite a great experience that I'm grateful for. Yeah. And, and we're both Latinos, which is also like another level of like, oh my gosh, we totally get along. So um, this is really cool. So I want people to like people that don't know you and you're very well known in the sensory design industry and the architecture and design industry. But for anyone that's listening to this, to, to Tech Magic, and this is the first time they come across you, can you introduce, you know, who is Ari Peralta? What do you do? What is your purpose? Well, I'm a Harvard-trained neuroscientist. I'm also an MBA and a sensory designer. So sensory design is basically an emerging market of today's uh, retail experience. And we use this theory based on neuroscience saying that, you know, we are multisensory beings. We perceive the world in recipes and symphonies of sensory signals. And my specific interest is how can we use these signals to empower people, forget customers, but human beings uh, in these physical spaces that we're creating. Uh, about up to 94% of our time, according to the latest research, is being spent indoors, whether it's inside a car, whether it's in our desk at our office or at our home, uh, on an airplane, name it. We are really disconnected with what's best for us. And my job, my work, my passion um, as is yours, is really to empower people. And, you know, we have uh, seen retail interfaces and systems continue to evolve. So basically, I help, I help retailers, I help brands, I help organizations um, elevate and optimize uh, experience design by better understanding user needs and really focusing on the outcome as a behavioral outcome uh, versus just an experience for time spending sake. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's really interesting. I think if, can you walk our listeners to maybe an example of what, what you do in sensory design, right? Cause some people are listening to this and like, Oh, I, I really under, like uh, this sounds, sounds really interesting, but give us an example, walk through with someone through maybe one of your projects that you can talk about publicly um, on what you mean by sensory design. So one of our most research, uh, recent research projects was uh, conducted for and by uh, Kimball International, one of the top uh, furniture manufacturers in the U.S. and North America. And just to give everybody an idea in context, they outfit furniture for uh, healthcare sector, for uh, education, higher education, and also for workplace. 
And, you know, similar to many giants in that space, uh, they're trying to help their clients uh, find a way to lure back employees back into the office, which is a huge concern uh, across industries. Uh, we were able to apply our sensory profiling framework to better understand what are people doing at work? What's the furniture that facilitates them to be the most productive? Uh, most people, uh, they might not call it productivity, but they want to get their job done. And we linked that if we give them the, if we provide them the right furniture with the right layout and personalized sensory settings, in other words, adjustable lighting, adjustable ergonomics, adjustable uh, noise control and privacy, these are the elements that we found you can actually tweak and personalize and really achieve uh, that level of belonging that most of us are lacking in spaces that are created, as you know, as a one-size-fits-all. That's, that's fantastic. And when you're talking about sensory design, right, we, you've mentioned sensory enabling technologies. Like, what are some of, like, what are some examples of that? Like, how do we start to wrap our heads around that, right? Because I think the example you just gave, a lot of people can wrap their heads around because a lot of people are like, you know, whether they might be returning to office or they might be thinking about, you know, even their home office, like all these sorts of things. But what are these sensory, ena sensory enabling technologies? Well, besides being what brought us together, you and I, um, you obviously being this powerhouse innovator and generator of new ideas, um, not just around tech, but around what do we use tech for? And on my part, it's how do we make these experiences healthy for the human brain, but also in a comprehensive way, in a multi-sensory way, because that's the way we perceive things. Um, so what we're talking about here are technologies that you love, like Apple's new Vision Pro, uh, but some all, also some new technologies that aren't visual-based. I want to share one that is really has my attention currently. It's a company called Emerge. They've developed air-based haptics. So this is basically like a flat piece of technology that suddenly allows um, customers of theirs like Disney and Sony uh, to create this new augmented space led by haptics where, at least for Disney, you know, our children and even ourselves who are fans will be able to high five our favorite characters uh, through this kind of technology. Now, that said, we are now entering a whole new era of sensory amplification which includes amplified or augmented um, earpieces, uh, like the ones that are gonna be used in future UN conferences that translate in the moment. So these are functional technologies that act as a bridge between the way we perceive reality and translating the way we do that in virtual or hybrid environments. I love that. I'm a big fan of Emerge as well. I know Sly and Isaac over there, and I've got a unit over here myself. So. Big fan, big fan of what they're doing with, you know, Disney and Sony and uh, fantastic technology. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I align with you on that one, too. Um, so you talked a little about sensory profiling, right, being the key to delivering those personalized experiences. Walk us through that. Like, explain to me, tell me more about what that means and why it is the key to unlocking that. Well, I think if we go back to what we've learned in the realm of marketing for the last, I don't know, 50 years, it's that, you know, designers, agencies, creatives, we've done a wonderful job using our intuitive sense, if you will, to develop these campaigns. But unfortunately, we have a super hyper fragmented audience. 
right? It's not as easy to get our messages to those audiences. We've learned that the more we can tailor those messages, uh, the better they can be received and obviously lead to purchase behavior. Now, what I've been focusing on through our team and through our partnerships, including with you and Journey, it's how can we better understand customer sensory preferences so that we can ensure there's a personal connection between the sensory design we think we're creating, but actually meeting customers where they are in terms of how they process information and how they regulate that information. In other words, there's four different main types. There are people who seek multi-sensory uh, stimulation. There's people who avoid it. Um, there's also people who we know uh, in particular on the spectrum who, you know, certain sensory stimuli, it hurts, it's painful. So the idea of sensory profiling people, it's the evolution from where we started, from simple demographics to psychographics to what I like to call sensographics, going deeper into how do we actually create meaningful experiences that don't overwhelm you with unnecessary signals. I, and that's really interesting um, around how do you kind of cater? Like there's so many things that, you know, some of us that love, all, you know, multi, like just bombarded by all these experiences, like I'm fine. But I know for some people it can be overwhelming, like you mentioned. So it's keeping in mind that your audiences have multiple sensory preferences. I think that's important. Um, I want to talk a little bit about um, a dinner that we hosted in Chicago during the conference uh, at Alenia of all places, which is a three Michelin star restaurant. Um, yeah, lively. it's like a, you know, a bucket list kind of situation. But when we were working on what concepts and ideas can we present there together, I remember you said something to, that to me was really interesting. You mentioned we were, you know, at this point we were figuring out what we were going to do and we, we didn't end up doing that one exactly. But you said something about changing the taste of something just through sound. And that stuck with me. That stuck with me because I've had the one where, you know, I might eat a food and then I taste chocolate and it tastes like lemon or something like that. But like, it's all, it's all triggered through here, but things like that, that are so powerful, walk people through like those types of experience and the type of work that you do with that. You know, how do you change what someone tastes just through sound? Like, basically, I like your work is fascinating to me, and I'm sure it's fascinating to a lot of people listening to this. This is where it gets fun, right? And I often refer to our research studio as a playground for the senses. Um, we're very fortunate to have built really great partnerships and strategic partnerships with great academic institutions, including my alma mater, Harvard, but also other great institutions of, of thought leadership like MIT Lab, uh, Media Lab, Stanford, uh, Cambridge, Oxford University. Um, but that said, taking all those uh, Ivy League schools out of it, we're having fun exploring the different ways we have implied memory through the senses. And I want to explain what that means. So while we've played with certain conditions, inspired by certain conditions like synesthesia, who are people that basically have a cross-reference of their sensory signal, so they can uh, taste colors, they can hear letters, uh, etc. cetera. Uh, we've created experiences around that. But then what we started noticing was, how do we translate this to online or digital or hybrid experiences? And what we found quickly was that we all carry this sensory bank of references. And I want to share a very simple example. 
if you look at a picture of a prickly cactus, you could technically feel it, mm-hmm. right? You, you almost went like that, right? I saw your yeah. video kind of move back and you didn't see the picture. You were guided in this case by my voice. So these things carry um, behavioral weight, if you will. It carries emotional um, weight. And what's interesting about this is unless we know what context or what reference you have to this, it could be anything. So part of what we're helping um, and experimenting with brands like Journey, who are thought leaders in the space and who are helping clients reimagine what spatial design could be, is creating these journeys of implied sensory elements that elevates any experience. So going back to our multi-sensory dinner and our concept of how do we show clients and partners like Walmart, uh, like PepsiCo, uh, what are some fun new ways we can engage with customers digitally? Well, one of them was inspired by Willy Wonka, the movie, the original, Uh, one of my favorite movies. And I think for all of us in this creative sphere, it just, it's going back to that child in us uh, of having fun. And we created together with Journey, um, a digital balloon basically that morphs from just a regular balloon to a strawberry balloon, to a grape balloon, and to a caramel liquid balloon. Now, mind you, this is all provided on a digital screen. And in the meantime, we have our audience members um, chewing uh, non-flavored taffy. And they're just looking at this video. Uh, We partnered with an incredible company called Adaroma in Japan. And all of us work together to create content that releases scent in specific moments of that content's delivery. So let me frame what happened in the user's mouth. They put in the non-flavored taffy. They're looking at this visual change from a regular balloon to this strawberry. As the scent is released, that flavor that was non-specific in their mouth changed to strawberry. And as we changed the images, we were able to change the implied flavor. This is the magic of really using neuroscience, leveraging our understanding of the senses, but then powering up and partnering with companies like Journey that then can make this into an experience. Yeah, and it's, I, it's so fantastic. Um, another question, um, and I've, I've got two more questions for you. I mean, I could talk to you all day, you know that, but um, there's a big element when we talk about sensory design that I know you're very focused on and it's wellness, right? How do we start to incorporate sensory design into everything that we do, whether it's the office, whether it's, you know, leisure, whatever it is, but how do, how does sensory design impact wellness in the longer term vision? Well, I think you kind of led, led already the conversation in a previous uh, statement you made around sensory overload. When we talk about what's the relationship between sensory design and wellness the issue is they're, inter, they're interdependent and our wellness affects how we perceive the world and how we perceive the world affects our wellness. So to, to, to put it into a concrete way that the audience can kind of package and take this, a lot of the spaces that we design, a lot of the campaigns that we design, even sometimes the merchandising or packaging of products, they're overwhelming to us so much Oftentimes, they turn us off, they turn us away uh, to the point that we're not even consciously aware 
that it's the lighting or the music or some other uh, non-congruent or non-contextual elements that distract our brain. So when we are talking about wellness in particular with what we all do, it's how do we reduce the unnecessary signals that we know trigger you and how do we increase the way we deliver information. So if you're a visual learner, we're gonna focus on less words and we're gonna focus on maybe more movement, more vestibular stimulation. Um, but if you're someone who is more sensitive to movement, maybe it's something that we do through color or through light. So these are the things that when we profile customers, just like what we do with persona building today, by adding these new layers, we're really able to take into consideration what makes an environment conducive to them. And what's interesting is when we get into the field of neuroaesthetics, which is basically the beauty of brain, right? How our brain approaches beauty, we can now state that when we find things beautiful and comfortable, it just makes the experience better. And if we find an experience gratifying, it makes us feel more well. So this is why we really need to continue championing this industry and evolving from experience design to what we're all talking about, transformation design, outcome-based design. Yeah. And I love this conversation because sensory design to me, it's like magic. It truly is this magical element that we can add to experiences, right? To any experience, whether it's, you know, a retail experience, whether it's an experience at a hotel, wherever it is. Um, I, you know, I, I'm sure that a lot of the companies that are listening to this, to this interview are like really interested or their interest is peaked, right? Where can they find you? How can they work with you? Because I think that you, you are such a valuable resource to all of them. How can they, you know, how can they work with you? How can they find you? Well, as you well know, Kathy, I think it's important to start with the caveat that we're in a very unique place where we choose the organizations that we collaborate with. Uh, we don't work for anyone, but we do help empower partners who are looking to empower their clients. And as you well know, you know, our philosophy, which is what drives how we conduct ourselves, how we do business, how we um, try and innovate within the research realm, is basically, you know, we don't believe that companies should exist to just create products. We really believe that companies should exist to help their customers find purpose. And you can do that through products, through experiences, through services, through team. Uh, we do invite people of all backgrounds and all types of companies to go to our main website, origami.org, um, where they can explore the latest in sensory research. Uh, we do really focus on sharing as much as we can. Obviously, some uh, commercial research stays with our clients. Um, but I think, again, when the focus is empowerment, we can learn from our work with Nissan on helping children fall asleep in the back of the car. We can learn from our work with the Global Wellness Institute on multisensory integration for um, Alzheimer's. We can learn from these things and really apply it so that we can actually embody this whole inclusivity and diversity that we often talk about, but none of those things mean anything if people don't feel a sense of belonging in the space. I absolutely love that. Well, Ari, on that note, thank you for being on Tech Magic. Thank you, Kathy. 
All right. So that was a great interview with Ari Peralta on sensory design and just kind of really exploring a field that I think for a lot of people is something they haven't really thought about, designing for all the senses and engaging all the senses and expanding kind of our engagement with space, with our space, the space around us in in different ways. Um, Lee, do you ever think about, you know, when people are designing experiences, how to engage all the senses? Oh, or do you like, when you go to a hotel, do you notice like the smell? Like, what are your thoughts on sensory design? Yeah, I, well, I'm, I, there's a couple of aspects that I have kind of like hypersensitivity to and, and sound is one of them. Um, like nothing drives me more crazy. Like I can't think crazy when I go to a restaurant and they've got no acoustical treatment and it's just pure sound, chaos, clanging dishes like that. It, it I don't care how good the food is. I can't do it. My, I just, I, I just cannot function in, in those type of scenarios. Um, and, and it's a little bit of everything, right? So right now, most of our technology focuses on sight and sound, but we, you know, we skip a lot of haptics are starting to get into it a little bit. So the ability to touch, taste, smell, um, you know, there, there are aspects of that that are, are great. And there's aspects of it. Like, you know, if I'm playing teenage, uh, teenage mutant and turtle game, I don't want to play, I don't want to smell the sewer, right? Like that's like, yeah, like yeah. just, just let's keep that or splinter. No, thank you. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I think as we see more things that fall into the location based experiences where we can do more of that, those are incredibly enticing to me. Um, they're, they're almost like the next generation past the escape room, right? Past the mm -hmm. LBE VR type space. Um, and I, so I grew up in Florida. I went to Disney World all the time because my parents were school teachers and like they at the time like a school Florida resident discount yeah, yeah. yeah I got all those discounts and stuff so we I went to like Disney World way too much so I love stuff like the honey mm -hmm. I shrunk the kids experience which was definitely full sensory you know that was early full sensory oh, yeah. you had smell it had touch it like the dog sneezed on you and it sprayed water like it was just brilliant um so more stuff like that I think is not only just captivating but um also kind of a reason to get out um and because it, it's you, you just don't go to the movie theater anymore a lot of the experiences we used to go out for you don't have to do anymore but you're not like you got to bring something to the entertainment um and i think that's where this is going to fill a gap well that's why i think somewhere like the sphere really starts mm. to embrace senses in a different way i mean there's still there's still some things that are you know i, I didn't really notice much with scent scent is kind of my the, the one sense that i absolutely like i will go into a hotel and i will like immediately recognize the scent or I will ask actually go to the front desk and be like, what is the scent you have? Like, I'm very particular about my perfume. Like I, I wear um, Baccarat Rouge 540 and I literally like, I will have people stop me and ask me, what are you wearing? I'll have Uber drivers be like, what is that? Like the other day at jujitsu, one of the, one of the dads sitting next to me was like, I'm sorry to ask you, but what are you wearing? Like smell for me is my this the one sense that I'm really, really dialed into. So when I so show really up and we go, we, we go to like an event <laughs> and I'm just wearing like pen old club, man, you're just like, what is this dude just He's rolled like, around in a Walgreens? <laughs> yeah. I smell some old spice. What? <laughs> no fancy French parfum. Parfum. Um, but no, <laughs> I'm very, very dialed into smell. It's really weird. Um, yeah, which, which was, which was troubling when I had little kids. Oh, anyway, I'm not going to get into that, but that was troubling for me as a smell person. Um, <laughs> but anyway, now that we're talking about weird stuff in some ways, let's call our producer Lily, uh, who is going to join us for dispatch from the fringe. 
Lily, mosey on down. What do we have? What's going on? What was the weirdest thing you found? Well, one of the weirdest things you found out there related to tech. Yeah, the weirdest thing I found this week to tie back into the gaming chat was a Ryanair experience on Roblox. So for those who don't know, Ryanair is a European airline that is embraces their cheap flights, their crowded airplanes, um, all the kind of negative things that you associate with an airline, but they're cheap. So take what you get. So the story I found was that the Ryanair experience in Roblox has hit um, a million virtual flights. And this is just interesting because it highlights why brands are getting into gaming. So in 2015, a kid called Sebastian Coldling, he still exists, uh, started building Ryanair and he wanted the Roblox world to be just like real life. And he did it without them knowing about it. So it's it's out there though. And that's the uh, dispatch from the fridge. I love it. So how many, how many, how many, million virtual flights? Yeah, a million virtual flights. So a million a Roblox. million virtual flights. Okay. Yes. On Ryanair. I don't know. Like I've, I flew Ryanair a couple of, a couple like <laughs> before I was an executive, I flew Ryanair <laughs> and yikes. Um, I mean, I'm all for saving money, but oh goodness. I have not uh, I don't know if I could take a million virtual flights. I hope Ryan it's the service. Air. I hope that the, yeah. That's new to me. Well, what do you think? Ryan I don't know. I don't even yeah, know. That. that just sounds like a dude named Ryan decided he was going to make an airline and it's like, hello, everybody. This is Ryan. That just sounds like the worst experience. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm sure our European listeners are going to have a lot to say. I think so. Yeah. So this Roblox world, it's not sanctioned by Ryanair. So it's a bunch of kids who decided to build it. And so I think that speaks a lot to, again, why brands are getting into gaming and why we have to take this space seriously. This this actually does bring up a very interesting topic of what do you do when you're, and I don't know what the answer is here, right? But what do you do when you're a brand and you find out that your brand already exists in one of these platforms because it's been fan made, right? Um, I can't imagine the corporate lawyer head aneurysm explosion that comes with all of that because on one end you don't want to you don't want to go after or pursue any type of legal action against your fans especially when they're kids and they're like fan made right like that's and a million flights i mean that's a lot of flights <laughs> so like what do you do when <laughs> you have your your very curated very protected brand identity trademark i don't know what 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 do, okay so kathy you, you do no this for a living airline no Okay. No, no, Lee. Like, let me let me center this. Like, this is a no frills airline. So, like, is it like Louis Vuitton, like a highly created guarded <laughs> kind of brand? No, not really. I mean, yes, trademark and everything, but I don't know. I think they should jump on it. I'm sure they're they might be tracking it. Okay, Who but let, let's 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 go down this rabbit hole really quickly. Okay, so <laughs> let's say it is Louis Vuitton. What do you do? Hmm. I don't know. They're a former client of mine, so I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to not answer anything right now. Okay. Uh, <laughs> something that doesn't exist. Uh, Montgomery Wards. I have no idea. <laughs> Circuit City comes to you. <laughs> Circuit City. You oh, go. my gosh. 
Compact computers? Is that even like, oh my gosh. Um, anyway, I don't know. I mean, that, that's a tough one, right? Because this is like obviously a million virtual flights. Lots of kids seem to be playing it. They seem to be having fun. I mean, if I was the Gen Zer working at Ryanair on the social media team, I'd be like, y'all, let's partner with them. Let's do something, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Depending on on the, depending on number of visits, depending on the ratings, like I would look into it. I think, you know, you lean into community if there is already a community that loves your brand. That's what I would at least hope most brands would do, especially mm-hmm. if it's positive, right? That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Awesome. So Lily, that was fantastic. Thank you. All right. So I think we're, we're getting towards the end of the episode. Um, Lee, what do you have planned? What do you have coming up? Anything fun? Oh, no, nothing. Halloween tomorrow. <laughs> then just trying to figure out what I have to do. We came back from uh, the Augmented Enterprise Summit, which was fantastic. Mm-hmm. But the amount of follow-up that I have to do post mm-hmm. a conference, every conference. This, this is the thing. The conferences are fun. Yeah. And then you come back and you're just like, oh, I have a lot of work I have <laughs> in front of me. But it was it was a great conference. It was It was shockingly good. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it's all the catch up that you have to do, all the follow up and all the catch up on emails. Like, yeah, I feel you. Oh, you know Um, what we didn't talk about? What? Apple today. What? What? Apple. That's coming out. uh, Yeah. That's coming up later tonight, uh, probably an hour or so after we finish recording. If I will say this uh, as a caveat, uh, if for any reason they announce anything related to spatial computing, we would probably add a little segment here. If not, then there's no need. But we'll see. That's coming up. That's coming up later tonight because we're recording on Monday. Um, I'm excited. What do you think they're going to announce that is in spatial computing? Well, I think the thing that kind of surprised me is they're going to announce this M3 chip, it looks like. And it's going to make for a new iMac and all of these other things that are coming out. Um, That's exciting. Uh, I've kind of been holding off on replacing my uh, studio computer waiting for a new processor to come out. And, And I might regret saying this out loud, but I'll say it anyways it does kind of feel like the vision pro is going to launch and already be obsolete, like have a little bit of obsolescence built into it because it's not even out yet, but it's on the M2 chip based on all announced spec. So I find that a bit strange that they're about to launch a new chipset and the vision pro is not out yet. So we'll see. We'll see. Maybe they did some I'm magic. I'm more hopeful than you. I'm more hopeful. I don't think it's obsolete. Anyway. Uh, obsolete's not you the know. right word. It's just, it feels weird that they're going to announce an M3 chip and then like their flagship VR headset, AR headset, Vision Pro is... Spatial computing headset. Spatial computing headset <laughs> is going to have an M2 chip in it. I don't know. It's I'm, I'm parsing hairs. That's my only immediate feedback. I'm kind of hoping that they like at least hint towards and the M3 chip's going to be in like the Vision Pro Lite. That's going to be half the price. Yeah. I don't know. That'd be nice. Let, let's see what they say. We'll see. We'll see. I'm, yeah, I'm going to be watching definitely in a bit and see if they see any say anything of interest to me on the spatial computing side. Um, so I'll tell you what I've got going on. I'm heading to New York this weekend. Uh, I got invited. This is huge, by the way. Like, this is exciting. So I got invited to attend the Council of Fashion Designers of America Awards, the CFDA Awards. Those are the Oscars of fashion, mind you. I know, such an honor. I am so thrilled. It's hosted by Sarah Jessica Parker. They're going to honor Serena Williams. Um, My plus one is actually my designer friend, Anifa, who is the designer for Hanifa. She's dressing me. And yeah, we're walking the red carpet. I mean, everyone in fashion is going to be there. 
just I'm just thrilled to get invited. I'm like, I cannot wait. I'm so excited. I just I immediately I, I correlate Sarah Jessica Parker to Hocus Pocus because it's Halloween. Like, <laughs> and I just can't get that part out of my head. The like that's just permanently the character for me. But that sounds like yeah, a blast. Yeah, because you're not yeah, you were in the Sex in the City watcher, I'm guessing. No, too much. no, the really. I don't think I've ever seen SJP. I mean, to me, she's like fashion. Right? No, I just so. have a muck, a muck, a muck. That's, that's that's all that's in the back of my head when it comes a muck, to a muck, a muck. Her. Uh, well, if anyone's watching that on Halloween, there you go. Um, but yeah, doing that. And then when I get back, I'm going to go get a Pernubo scan, which is the MRI full body scan that everyone's raving about. It's I, sh- I sent you an article. It's become the new luxury product <laughs> in healthcare. I, that, I'll tell you how it goes. Uh, I don't that, know. That always weirds me out. I feel like it. it yeah. I think that it's. Well, you wouldn't want to know. You wouldn't want to know. Like something's up. It's no. It's not that. I think. I think that that's the responsible thing to do. And I think that it hopefully one day is just like a strategic part of like a yearly physical, right? Like it should be rolled into that. If it if it can do that, that's what it should do. My concern is that you know people who deal with hypochondria or things like that can just mm-hmm. become obsessive about it. Um, oh gosh, and, yeah. and that I think anytime that you're bringing in something like that, it's kind of like WebMD, WebMD is amazing unless you're just like obsessive compulsive or hypochondriac and then it's a absolute nightmare fest. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, just making sure that these type of technologies have at least a little bit of emotional empathy behind them. I think goes a long way. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a little claustrophobic, so I see how I want to see how it goes. Um, you right? got to like go into the tube and all of that. Like it's the whole. Yeah, I know. I've done hyperbaric chambers, which are like, and I've done the ones where it's like a tube, a glass tube. Um, so I, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to like mentalize, like I'm trying to just work mentally. Maybe I should talk to ChatGPT. <laughs> what exercises <laughs> can I start doing? Right, breathing exercises can I start doing to not feel claustrophobic when I do my Pernuvo scan? Uh, I don't know, uh, but yeah, I'm trying to kind of like just mentally prepare myself for being in the MRI thing for about 45 minutes. But yeah, I'm, I'm getting long? my Pernuvo scan. You're in there for it's a full body scan. It's I think 45 minutes when you're in there, something like that. Because when they do it on CSI, on. it's like zip, zip, and they're done. Is that is that not real? Yeah, CSI, they solve crimes really easily. I, I don't think you've noticed. And yeah. Just immediately spits um, out your body map, and then they say enhance, <laughs> and then it shows you where there's probably, like, that's Poof. what I, that's not, we're not so, there. Okay. So, yeah, I'll be in there for 45 minutes, and, you know, CFDA awards, excited about that. And then um, a couple weeks later, I'll be doing the Ad Week Next in Tech event. Uh, and like I mentioned to our listeners, there is Tech Magic 30. You get 30% off if you want to be there. I will be there. I'm really excited. So anyway, Lee, thanks for joining me for episode four. Anytime. Um, always fun to have my bestest friend. <laughs> <laughs> Same Z's. You're joining me. Same Z's. Um, but anyway, we'll be back next week with more stories around tech, gaming, you name it. Uh, we're going to go into the fringe as well. Lily, we'll be back with her dispatch from the fringe. And who knows? Maybe we'll get some listeners to tell us what they want us to ask ChatGPT on the podcast and we'll bring her bring her back. <laughs> I, I can switch I that. I can make that however. Yeah, yeah. You can switch it up. Yeah. Switch it up. We'll be it'll be Snoop Dogg one day. So um anyway, thank you for everyone that's listening. We are so thankful and we feel so grateful for the way this podcast has been has been received and the uh folks that are starting to message us, uh, asking questions and making requests or things that they want to hear and listen. So please leave us a review, subscribe, and thank you for listening to Tech Magic. We'll see you next week. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? 
Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 